The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Sunday morning, Christians in Sri Lanka had gathered to celebrate Easter Mass when powerful explosions ripped through three churches packed with worshippers, suicide bombers, also struck three hotels popular with tourists. In total, more than 320 people were killed, hundreds more were injured. Today, we can tell you that police officials had alerted security officials in an advisory 10 days before the blast about a threat to churches from a radical Islamist group called National Thawit Jamal, or NTJ. It's an alert that the Prime Minister says he was never informed of. We have the latest this afternoon from Global National's Jeff Semple. As deadly as Sri Lanka's suicide bombings were, they could have been even worse. A day later and another explosion rocked the Sri Lankan capital. But this one was detonated by police as they worked to defuse three more bombs found inside this van parked near a church. The vehicle erupted, but incredibly, no one was hurt. As investigators comb through the wreckage of the churches and hotels, families are beginning to identify their dead. This Toronto church has close ties to one of the churches targeted in the Easter Sunday attack. It's located in the pastor's hometown. He'd visited friends here just three weeks ago. Their 13-year-old son was leaving Sunday school when the bomb went off. It's so sweet. It's too hard to uh, believe that next time when I go there, it's not going to be. It is very hard. We have to apologize to the families. The Sri Lankan government said around two dozen suspects had been arrested and blamed a local radical Islamist group, the NTJ, for the attack. This letter from a Sri Lankan police official reportedly warned the government two weeks ago that the NTJ was planning to attack churches during Easter. That warning was ignored. But security experts say the little-known group, with no history of large-scale attacks, must have had outside help. I find it very difficult to uh, grasp how a local Sri Lankan group that we hadn't heard uh, was able to pull off one, if not the most sophisticated terror attack in years. No group has claimed responsibility, but many are already pointing to Al-Qaeda or the so-called Islamic State. This is, reminds you of something like nine, the 9-11 attacks uh, or uh, other attacks, the Paris bombings of uh, a few years ago, uh, which were uh, bore all these uh, similar hallmarks. Even during the country's decades-long civil war, which ended in 2009, churches and the minority Christian community were rarely targeted. Joining us with more is counterterrorism and security expert uh, Muvin Sheikh. Uh, Muvin, thanks for joining us back on the show this afternoon. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, what what do you know about uh, this NTJ? Well, there's not much known about the group. I mean, it was a local Sri Lankan group um, that was active for a while. Um, there were, uh, in the media reporting that, that, that occurred, uh, this was a group that was actually pointed out by the Muslim mm-hmm. community in Sri Lanka uh, three years ago, in fact. Uh, so the group was known locally. Uh, they belong to this uh, Wahhabi sect. Uh, you know, they all Wahhabis, wherever they are, pretty much believe the same thing, the same things that we were hearing these guys say. 
um, you know, they, they all kind of believed uh, together. So with a local group, the, the theory right now is that they had support from an international network. Uh, now, of course, ISIS has mm-hmm. uh, taken responsibility, but... Uh, you know, two days after the fact. So there's still questions that remain. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Yeah, um, the Islamic State now saying it's, it, well, it's claiming responsibility. Um, you know, if you look at this with the ties to um, the Islamic State and the two days um, later, it taking this this much time for it to claim, which is odd for ISIS. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what what is, is that one of the things that's raising kind of a red flag on whether or not um, ISIS was involved or not? You know, there's always this debate, right, when when ISIS does something, because they're very strategic in the way that they claim attacks or not claim attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes where individuals are in custody and captured, they won't they won't they won't uh, take credibility or take credit for the attack because it looks mm-hmm. bad that their guy got caught. I mean, uh, you know, they took credit for the uh, Las Vegas shooting, yeah, right, by yeah. Joe White guy. So, so they they do that sometimes. But even here, I mean, it's uh, you know they have been uh, hit really hard by coalition forces. They need to show that they're still a force to be reckoned with. And this does exactly that. You know, when you look at this, what was it? Six sites around the island hit by seven uh, suicide bombers in three cities. Um, there was um, quite a bit of sophistication to it. It was very effective, as we've seen. Um, and I was reading, it was uh, Rukmini Kalamachi's, uh, she's a correspondent for the New York Times. She's covered ISIS for many, many years. Uh, a number of different um, uh, threads and some interesting reading today about it. It would certainly seem that a, that a smaller group or a local group um, that the level of this would be difficult for a, a smaller group to carry off without the support from somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, that's that's one of the big holes in uh, in this whole thing because, I mean, ISIS Central hasn't been able to, uh, you know, uh, pull off an attack that sophisticated and coordinated. You know, Al-Qaeda itself, I mean, the last time they committed something, that was 9-11. Mm. Uh, and, you know, 19 years later, they haven't been able to put something together to, to do that. So it, it, it is a big hole. Number one is this, you know, this level of sophistication and coordination, which it is really difficult to believe that this local group had the capabilities to do that. A second point is that Sri Lankan media was also reporting uh, they, that, that authorities received, um, you know, uh, um, notice of this attack <laughs> 10 days prior. And the, uh, the defense minister, I believe it was, uh, after having received the warning, left the country, right, and was in Singapore. Uh, so that's another thing. I mean, and then there's a discussion on, you know, did the, did they not tell the prime minister because there are some political power plays mm-hmm. going on? But you know what? In this Machiavellian world, you know, you can let an attack like that happen to make your political opponent look bad. Ugh. So, um, so, so, I mean, there is that, that side of it as well. You, um, you saw that um, yeah, the Islamic State did put out some videos today. I, I know that you have seen them. I think they, they yes. saw them on your Twitter account. What do you make of them? Yeah, no, that that seems to be uh, a template for what ISIS does. Um, now, my theory is that they themselves, whoever these people are, they committed the attack, put it together. They sent a video of pledging allegiance to ISIS, 
And basically, and that's why I think it took so long, because if it was an ISIS central directed plot, uh, that, that video would have been out mm-hmm. within hours. Hmm. Uh, so that's telling me that, in fact, the video has been sent from Sri Lanka to ISIS forums, and the ISIS forums, all they need to do is slap on a, a message, uh, attach value to it, and voila. ISIS gets the credit. You know, very interesting. I was, you know, watching your Twitter feed today as as well, and I know you said, uh, you know, I'm definitely not a conspiracy type, but there are some big holes in this in this story. The government was told and aware uh, yeah. about the, the threat. Senior security officials received warnings 10 days before, as you mentioned, did not uh, inform senior governments uh, the level, the sophistication, the coordination that we've been, we've been touching on. I mean, it's just kind of head-shaking that... Um, that threats like this could be ignored. Could it possibly be that in Sri Lanka that, um, you know, uh, Christians and, and the Muslim population there, there, there was not a, there's not a history of a big tension there between those groups. That's, that's a very good point. Thank you for mentioning that because uh, if anything, I mean, the majority Buddhists and minority Tamils uh, who are Hindu, they were having a civil war for a long time. And, um, you know, the Muslims and Christians have never had a problem because they've both been the minorities mm-hmm. in that sense. So, you know, who knows? I mean, is this is this uh, an orchestrated attack to create the divisions mm-hmm. uh, in the country to also amplify uh, the divisions that are already uh, manifesting at the global level between, you know, Muslims and Christians? I don't know if we'll ever know. Mubin Sheikh joining us this afternoon. Mubin, you know, and then there was, you know, um, there's been um, comments saying that this was retaliation for what happened in Christchurch. Yeah, this was a claim by some of the uh, ISIS uh, acolytes, and this was not mentioned in the statement, in the official statement by ISIS. Um, It was mentioned by some of their acolytes and cheerleaders Mm -hmm. uh, trying to, because even after the Christchurch attack happened, there was talk by ISIS and them that we we, we want to retaliate or, you know, calling on their followers to retaliate. So uh, I just don't understand how, you know, bombing Christians in Sri Lanka has anything to do with, you know, Joe White guy from Australia who attacked Muslims in New Zealand. Mm. But then again, you know, these people are very... Uh, they just think just pure blood retaliation. So while for us it doesn't make sense, for them it's just, hey, you know, some more infidels have been killed, and that works for us. And any speculation on, on why Sri Lanka, why it would have happened there? I guess it can happen anywhere, but I know a lot of people are yeah. wondering, you know, why there? Well, I mean, that that's a good question. I think maybe it's because it was an easy target. Uh, maybe it's because whoever was behind it uh, were aware of you know, the weaknesses of the intelligence apparatus there. Um, it's so many questions. I mean, it just boggles my mind that, I mean, India also gave information to Sri Lanka about these attacks. Mm. I mean, they knew the attacks uh, were coming. The Muslim communities, you know, basically gave even the names of these people, and yet the attack still happens. And, and that level of sophistication and yeah. coordination, though, once again, on that point, I mean, it's it's... It just it, it does not compute for me that all that information can be available and the attacks still go ahead. Look, it's it's perfectly reasonable also that, look, uh, certain, you know, they can be incompetent. Mm-hmm. But given the history, though, that Sri Lanka has with the Civil War in particular, 
I don't think incompetence is to blame. Yeah. Uh, we keep kind of circling back around to the Islamic State, which, you know, two days after the fact uh, claimed responsibility today. Still lots of questions about that. Curious um, if you can kind of shed some, you know, shine some spotlight on the state, uh, the, the status of the Islamic State right now. Um, you know, we, we heard that, you know, Trump declaring that, uh, that it was defeated in in Syria. I've heard talk, of course, when you look at what's happening in parts of Africa into Mali and about how some of uh, some of the members moving into that area as well. Um, what do we know about the strength of it right now? Well, I mean, they've been hit bad uh, and hit hard, of course. Um, but imagine them being like a ball of clay and you slam that ball of clay with a sledgehammer. That ball of clay is just going to spread out, mm-hmm. is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what Al-Qaeda did after 9-11 when they were being bombed in Afghanistan, right? So so they, they will they will move on uh, to other permissive areas uh, in the immediate vicinity. I mean, they're still present in Iraq and Syria. Yeah. They're still fighting in different areas. Um, so they're, they're for sure, they're not defeated. Um, uh, in Libya, they're also showing up uh, in countries nearby, in Mali, of course. Uh, in the West, I mean, Mali, of course, because Canadians had sent peacekeepers there. Uh, so they're they're very active all over the place. Southeast Asia is another uh, arena, uh, another place where this stuff is going to, I think, uh, accelerate. They did just recently uh, uh, kill uh, the ISIS number two or the main ISIS guy in the Philippines. So the 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 the, the war is still ongoing. Um, and they're they're once again they're showing up yeah. in different countries all around the world. It, it, it concern? Do you have much concern about um, the U.S. reducing the troop numbers in Syria and what that could mean for maybe um, you know gathering back together and, and a resurgence? Yeah, there's a, there's of course that concern. I mean, the U.S. Uh, you know kind of uh, you know reducing their footprint in Syria, but there seems to be an understanding that. Or at least, a, 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 you know, a push for local forces to kind of do something about it rather than the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Syrian context, that's going to come down to really Turkish troops. Mm. And I know there is, a, you know, not the greatest relationship, but, you know, at some level there are agreements. I mean, the Turks are doing a lot of stuff in the north of Syria, uh, but that's mostly against the Kurds, not so much being, you know, primarily against ISIS. So there's a question mark on their involvement there. Uh, but the Iraqis are doing a good job in Iraq, uh, and, and I mean, it will remain to be seen what happens in Syria. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the troop reduction is more so uh, because, you know, Russia seems to be thinking that the U.S. is there to overthrow <laughs> Assad, which they're not. Or they might think that they're there to undermine Russian interests in Syria because the Russians have... A uh, number of uh, big military bases in Syria and basically use Syria as their docking port to entry into the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. So there's a larger geopolitical uh, strategic struggle uh, with the U.S. and Russia there. And so maybe backing the U.S. troops away from that is to maybe mollify Russia in that regard. Uh, Mubin, just curious, a number of people are, are texting in this afternoon wondering about, you know, the, the financing of uh, these organizations. And, you know, I think you can look back and go into, you know, the, the Saudi ties and, and that sort of thing. What needs to be done to, to cut the head off of these groups? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say because, I mean, militarily we can only do so much. 
but there's still a lot of money floating around. And uh, finance is, uh, of course, uh, another big aspect. This is something the U.S. has been trying to do, and, and even the Gulf countries have been trying to do. But look, man, all it takes really is like one rich Arab dude uh, <laughs> who can fund these groups for years, right? I mean, mm-hmm. some of the princes are so ridiculously rich uh, that they can very easily funnel money over. And in the beginning, in fact, a lot of these jihadi groups were getting money from individual sponsors, but that seems to have uh, petered out a lot because of the attention that's been put on, uh, you know, these transactions. So uh, physically, of course, it has to be fought. Financially, it has to be fought. And I think most importantly, ideologically, is that, um, you know, the the Muslim scholars uh, who are trying to do that but just not getting enough media exposure, I guess, uh, need to get out, you know, more and, and educate the people as to what Islam actually teaches and how these people are completely, you know, off the mark in that regard. We've managed to get uh, Mubin Sheikh back on the phone. Mubin, not sure what happened there, but thanks for sticking around. Was talking to you about Toronto uh, one year on. Your thoughts uh, a year after the fact? Yeah, I mean, uh, it kind of came out of the blue for us as far as we were concerned. Uh, as soon as we heard van attack, you know, U-Haul rental, we thought ISIS. Um, but, of course, you know, we discovered that there's this group called, you know, involuntary celibates. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, guys who can't get girls and are taking it out on women. Um, and uh, I think this feeds into a larger problem of just women hate. Uh, I think, and, and it comes from various groups. I mean, not just jihadists, not just white supremacists, uh, not just these incels, but, but a whole host of people. And so uh, I think... It was so rare for, I mean, it was rare in the sense that incels, I mean, generally don't uh, act out like this, but they've become more and more emboldened, uh, especially through social media platforms where they're able to go on and, uh, you know, talk to each other about it and instigate each other and escalate. And, you know, out of the thousands of trash talk and and part of my friend shit posting that gets done, uh, unfortunately, a couple of people are going to act out and... uh, this is what we saw in Toronto last year. Yeah, it's uh, it was unreal to watch that uh, unfold, certainly uh, on the air that afternoon. Mubin Sheikh, I want to thank you for joining us once again this afternoon. Gosh, I wish it wasn't always on uh, on topics like this after uh, horrific events like uh, what we saw over the weekend, but I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Most welcome. Thanks for having me again. There you go. It's Moving Shake. You can follow him at Mr. Moving Shake on Twitter. Uh, interesting background, of course. Uh, in case you you don't know, he's a former security intelligence and counterterrorism operative. Now an expert uh, with experience in radicalization, de-radicalization, uh, violent extremism, national security, and counterterrorism. Um, he has testified at the United Nations Security Council. He was a part of um, busting the uh, the Toronto 18 as well. So always interesting to chat uh, with him. Uh, again, Alec Manassian charged in that uh, attack one year ago. Uh, boy, that was a horrific day as well. Ten people killed, 16 injured uh, on that one. There's a number of ceremonies being held across uh, the city of Toronto today. We'll have some details on that coming up.